0: You're listening to Fit Pro Sessions with Parallel Coaching, episode number 15. Hi, I'm Neil Bergman, and in today's podcast, I'm talking with Hayley all about muscles. Yes, that's right. We're jumping into revision, 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 and we've got the power hour at the end, so stay tuned.
1: Hi, I'm Neil Bergman. And I'm Hayley Bergman. Over the last 10 years, we've helped thousands of fitness professionals to get qualified, learn with simplicity, and coach clients with confidence.
0: We're the first to say that learning and being a fit pro doesn't have to be hard work, and that with the right structure, support, and resources, you can become a confident and knowledgeable fitness professional that is dedicated to more. So,
1: how do you learn, qualify, and kickstart as a fit pro? This is the fit pro sessions podcast with parallel coaching. Do
0: you want to hear something really, really cool, Hayley?
1: Yeah, go for it.
0: The revision power hour podcast or fit pro sessions have been the most popular to date. How crazy is that? I thought that the guest speakers would be the crux to it, yet more and more people are tuning in and giving feedback saying that the revision podcasts are the crux to it, which is uh, helping That's them cool. learn helping them understand break down complex topics
1: another feedback i've heard about it is that it's not just people that are doing their exams or preparing for exams but those that are already qualified which is fantastic which
0: is key because we want to make sure that you're staying up to date uh, current and relevant with the latest knowledge so you're armed with that so you can apply anatomy and physiology to your planning and delivery yeah awesome super cool so today's podcast is all about muscles muscles, muscles. so we've covered planes of motion we've covered a heart, heart. And circulatory system we covered why anatomy was important why anatomy is important and there was one other we one we did planes as well we said planes um anyway really don't matter let's <laughs> jump into muscles so did you know herley there are 650 plus muscles in the human body
1: we do have to learn all of them, do we? And this is the <laughs> best point. You know what? This
0: is the best thing. Because you only have to learn 26 at level two gym or level two fitness. So that might be uh, for level two fitness instructor, uh, level two exercise to music, level two kids. kids fitness and aqua. Yes. Okay. You only have to learn 26. And we don't really need to know a great deal about those 26 muscles. And at level three, you only have to learn 50. Like I hear so often... Trainee Fit Pro saying, "God, there's so many to learn, which there is." I'm not saying I'm. <laughs> I'm just I'm shining a shit. <laughs> <laughs> At, okay. least
1: At least it's not six hundred. At least it's not
0: six hundred and fifty. And actually, and I'm dip-
1: guessing those other six hundred are like the really, really tiny, complex ones that.
0: Yeah, yeah, completely. But also, yeah. you could, I've read uh, on other uh, bits of research, but actually, you can break these down into over eight hundred muscles when you start to divide certain parts of a muscle up because. The the muscular system system so I can do that
1: and also because we've got three types of muscle and I'm guessing you said 650 that are able to contract like skeletal muscles whereas you've got the others that are smooth and that are cardiac as well yeah
0: completely so what the 650 take into consideration is smooth cardiac and skeletal muscle
1: oh okay there we yes, go lovely
0: there we go so um hopefully there's a couple of uh key knowledge bombs already i'm gonna yeah. say you only have to learn 26 muscles at level two 50 at level three yeah. and we've just mentioned that you can break those down into smooth cardiac and skeletal perfect okay so uh should Where are we going
1: about, next? I want to kind of talk about the largest of all the muscles and the smallest of all the muscles, because I think this gives a really good context across all of them. Yeah. Um, so the, the largest is your butt. So your, butt. It's, yeah. <laughs>
0: your butt, your gluteus maximus. Um, and ah. the role
1: of your gluteus maximus is not only to give that amazing shape of the body, but it's also the main muscle that contributes towards hip extension. So when you stand up nice and straight, your glutes are squeezed, so they are contracted, they're in a concentric contraction, which means that all the muscles are really shortened. And at that point, your hip is in extension.
0: And also the glute is the main prime mover for most exercises in the sagittal plane around like mm. movement in terms of walking, running, squatting, uh, squatting lunging. lunging. Uh, yes. So they have a massive muscle, but they also help uh, the trunk, the torso around posture and giving you, uh, I don't want to use the word proper posture, but a nice tall, neutral, neutral position. There we go. Yes. There's the word. Um, so your, your glutes have a fundamental role in not just movement, but also keeping your body in extension in a neutral position. Well,
1: that's key, isn't it, for fit pros to know, because you guys as fit pros are going to want to be able to make sure your clients are activating all of their muscles. And traditionally, glutes are particularly weak or inactive for clients.
0: Well, when we're we're sitting down right now uh, recording. So uh, right now I've got my ankles, knees and hips flexed
1: they're all flexed they're all flexed
0: which means my glutes if i think about where they start and finish my origin insertion they're they're lengthened they're long they're elongated which now means if i sit down which i do (laughs) an awful lot lot during the day um those muscles or that that muscle group, the glute is always lengthened which means that it's weak
1: And then that's not going, therefore, from what you said, going to support your core or the rest of your posture very well. Which
0: would explain why so many clients that do sit down for an extended period of time in a sedentary, inactive role at work or their day-to-day experience low back pain. Ah. Boom! There we go. All links in. Maybe we should just stop the podcast. Yeah, I feel like we've 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 given we've covered. (laughs) No, let's jump in. So you mentioned the the largest muscle, which is the glutes. Is there anything else you want to add to that one? Uh, No, I'm
1: good with that. For the glutes. So So let's jump into the smallest muscle. Smallest muscle, you You don't don't need
0: need to know know this one.
1: (laughs) Don't need to know this for any exam, but kind of a nice bit of a trivia for you. The smallest muscles in the body are in your inner ear. So they're really um, closely inside your ear. So you can't necessarily, you can't touch them or feel them. Um, They include the tensor tympani and the stapedius. Um, So do you want to pronounce those words?
0: (laughs) No, I don't. But I do want to highlight for anybody watching uh, on YouTube, I have the tiniest ears in the world. So, not only are the smallest muscles in my body, in my ear, I reckon I have the smallest muscles in like the world. <laughs> so, it would the make the
1: smallest of the
0: smallest. The smallest of the smallest. So, it makes sense that the smallest bones of the body are also found in the ear.
1: Yes. Because
0: yeah. muscles are attached to bone via the tendon. And therefore, if there's uh, a muscle, there must be a bone somewhere.
1: Yeah. Cool. And they, these muscles, their job is to connect your eardrum and hold your inner ear together. So I wouldn't even necessarily think about muscles being in that area. But it's really interesting.
0: There we go. Uh, so with that, let's jump into another bit of trivia. <laughs> I'm going to go with the strongest muscle. Do you know where it is, Hayley, and what it's called?
1: I actually do know. You know
0: what? Hayley presents on the Revision Mastery <laughs> series. So there's no point in me even <laughs> trying to test their knowledge and catch her out. Because uh, she, she's, the, she's the, uh, the voice, the heart and soul to the Revision Bootcamp. Uh, so what is it then?
1: Uh, it's the masseter, and it's inside your jaw. You also don't need to know this one for any level two or level three. No. Nope. Um, but the, this is the interesting trivia. So this
0: might come up on a pub quiz. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, it can close your teeth with a force as great as 200 pounds. Um, through your teeth so through your molars um so that's 200 pounds of force in your jaw which and i've always is amazing, wondered this right?
0: actually when i'm eating how do my teeth manage to get through certain foods yeah yeah um yeah say the knife and fork done
1: hmm.
0: there we go yeah, uh, well. so it's a mixture of not just it's a really strong muscle but it's actually the lever as well yeah. and i'm not going to bore you with the uh this I'll drop the blog below, but I always remember it as FOVL which is all about levers and fulcrums and where the effort is. Yeah, and um, this might come up in your exam. I'm more than happy to jump deep into that on another uh We've got fit other pro blogs session. On those as well. Um, but the lever around where that muscle is, it also allows you to clamp the jaw,
1: yeah, shut quickly. What I love about this with the muscles is that okay, the glutes you probably would have thought of on your list of muscles, but you wouldn't necessarily have thought of the inner ear or of the jaw. Um, so it's really interesting just to go it's not just about the movement that we do when we go to the gym or when we're moving up and down the stairs it's about every movement that happens day to day one one thing that kyle
0: moving. said on the podcast the last podcast so this mm-hmm. is episode
1: 15.
0: 15 on episode 14 kyle simpson from ks sports therapy he talked a lot about the muscles being um one group of muscles yeah. so you know we're sitting here now so if i pull on your arm i can move your head <laughs> if i pull on your arm your left arm i can move your right foot so the relationship between one muscle yes crosses a joint which pulls on another group of muscles which crosses joints so this is an importance of why we need to understand muscles because if i'm doing a calf raise for example and i'm targeting the uh, gastroc.
1: Gastrocnemius.
0: Okay. You looked at me as if I, I might get that wrong then. I, like, Ooh, <laughs> Ooh, I wonder.
1: How much of a so, big word are you? Okay.
0: Yeah, completely. Um, that will have an impact and move the musculature of my upper leg, my yes. hips, my torso, my shoulders, my entire body. So, what happens at one group of muscles or one muscle, yes. even in an isolation position, pulls on other groups of muscles, which is why we're constantly talking about on course about observation and seeing yourself as like this human x-ray machine because if i am moving one muscle what's happening elsewhere in the body around posture and technique
1: yeah and that observation of the whole body even though you might only be using your arm
0: and that's something with the yeah. feedback i give back an awful lot on assessment days you're doing a, a chest fly and you're focusing purely just looking at the chest but by moving the chest you're actually moving their yeah. feet their feet are moving <laughs> as yeah. an example so it's actually seeing the body as one group of muscles as well.
1: Wow. There Absolutely. We
0: go. Which leads really nicely on to that if I do activate one muscle, a muscle attaches to the bone via a tendon Ooh, and yes. one rule of a body, or as many rules of a body, but muscles must cross a joint because the muscles pull on the bones to bring about skeletal yeah. movement. And then the joints allow that movement to take place.
1: Nice.
0: So there we go. Muscles attached to bones via tendons.
1: Yes. And a nice way of remembering this is that tendons um, are basically joining on to the bone. So tendons, I've got the word on in them, so they're kind of oh, linking I know, the ten muscle. Dons. Tendons. Tendons.
0: <laughs> tendons. ons. <laughs> <laughs> is that as in tendons dons or tend ons? Tend ons. ons. Sorry mate.
1: You had all had a little insight into our world. Um so so tendons are hanging on so the muscle on to the bone. So tendons um whereas they often get mixed up with ligaments and these link bones and bones together.
0: Which is really cool. So link as in ligaments. Yeah. LI link. L-I. Yeah, there we go. Not they, as cool as the tendons. they connect uh, one bone uh to another bone, right? Yeah, bones, completely. To bones. Um which is a really kind of key question i suppose at level three is the difference is the differentiation between what a tendon does and the ligament does yeah and i think this is one of the key things that most learners slip up on on exam day is is the understanding of what's the word i'm looking for I've had a complete memory slip. I was thought
1: you were going to say like the clarification between the two words. So like you see the definition, a
0: word. That's the word I'm looking yep. for. <laughs> yep. I needed to look in the dictionary for that one. <laughs> it's been a long day. <laughs> so um, the, the definition of particular words. So what's the definition of a ligament? The definition yep. of a tendon? The definition of... Uh, the proximal part of the bone, the definition of a distal part of the bone, which we're going to come on to. But I think if you understood the definitions of some key terminology, Mm. you would easily now, I'm going to get rid of the word easily because it's not all easy. I appreciate it's not all easy. It's simpler. It makes makes life a lot more simple when you are in the exam to go, that's what they're asking of me.
1: I was talking to a, a learner actually who'd done her exam last weekend, weekend before. And she said, to be honest, the level three anatomy exams, okay, if you know language. So as long as you mm. know language, you can kind of work it out. Um, and she said, as long as you've kind of got that distinction where you can look at words, you can break them down. Um, and I think that's, again, where it comes in with that tendons, that was ligaments. It was Emma. There
0: we go. I remember. I was there. <laughs> I was listening. <laughs> um, so there we go. So muscles uh, make up 40% of the total body weight as well epic so well i suppose a, i'm
1: guessing it's approximate based it's pro- on some people are very massively
0: yeah completely i think that's a really good point to add actually when you think about um, muscle mass versus fat mass and obviously that can change but as a general kind of starting point we've
1: got to go general from somewhere yeah, yeah, completely. yeah exactly yeah nice um, hardest working muscle in the body
0: oh we're back to trivia. we're back to trivia it's going to be the heart it's
1: got to be the heart okay so the
0: heart's constant it, this is a, a really key uh point to make actually is When we're learning about the muscles of the body, the 50 muscles, we're talking about local and global muscles like quads, hamstrings, glutes. And then we're talking about the the local muscles of stabilizing muscles of the core. Yes. Actually one muscle that I think gets parked is the heart. Yeah. And actually you are going to, if you go back to the, I don't know what episode it was, but the heart and circulatory system, we talk about the cardiac circulatory system and i think that's a key point because actually that system is feeding the The heart the coronary sorry yeah the coronary system and that is the heart is a muscle in itself
1: yeah absolutely and it needs its own blood supply in order to pump all blood around the body
0: completely which is like gallons and gallons thousands of gallons a day so it's constantly working all the time yes okay uh as is your brain to bring about these movements or bring about bring about the 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 heart beating bring about these voluntary and involuntary muscles because again we can break muscles down into voluntary and involuntary my heart Mm. being involuntary i don't have to sit here and think about it beating good job good job (laughs) (laughs) i can barely think of a word dictionary (laughs) um but i i i am i do have voluntary control over my quads my biceps my global muscles
1: yes you can tell them to move at a certain time and this is where
0: the level three a and p specifically starts to um bring everything together as 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 one exam because it's the nervous system which is the central nervous system and the peripheral nervous system that is finely tuned in with your muscles and we're talking about the heart a minute ago, which now brings into the heart circulatory system. We've already mentioned bones and joints. That's what, yeah. and the skeletal system. So now you can see all these subsystems that we've, we've mentioned on all of these podcasts so far that work together.
1: And that's the key thing. They all work together. So your muscles can't move unless your nerves tell them to move. Um, like Neil said, um, that's either involuntary or voluntary. But that signal has to come from the nerves. And that then comes from the brain which and um, in particular part of the brain is the motor cortex.
0: Cool. Anything else, you wanna? To- like I thought you was going to keep going there. I was like waiting for the next point. <laughs>
1: uh, okay. So the interesting thing about a motor cortex, if you want a nice, interesting, uh, fact is that it controls the opposite side of the body. Um, this you can see in client clients or people that have had strokes. Um, so I used to work with, um, clients that are post-stroke. So they've had a stroke and then they've come in to work with me from an exercise referral point of view with, um, getting their movement back. And if the stroke affected the left-hand side of their brain, then it affected the muscles all down the right-hand side of the body and Mm, vice versa. versa. There we go. Nice. Um, So this is a real nice reminder that the different hemispheres of the brain, so the different sides of the right brain. Right left side. Yeah, then you've got the right side will control the left lot of movement, the left side will control the right lot of movement.
0: Very smart um, indeed.
1: And yeah, just a nice little thing to know about, I think.
0: <laughs> what I like about this, when you start to bring the seven nervous system, central nervous system, peripheral nervous system, and understanding that, that relationship with muscles is looking at the complexity of movement as well. And that the brain is making thousands of decisions yeah. around not just for one muscle you're working, but multiple muscles to, um, to assist with that or to fixate that joint. Even or in the simplest of movement. To yeah. stabilize. Yeah.
1: So like the simplest of movement of standing up out of your chair. I can't imagine how many muscles must be moving in that particular moment.
0: So if we take for squat, for example, it would understand why I'm a, why I'm a big fan and the, the research I've, I've, looked into and and read is about keeping session plans or programming quite straightforward and simple you know no more than kind of six to eight six to ten exercises yeah because if you think about the neural overload on the brain in a session going through a squat pattern or a lunge pattern or any exercise the demand on the central nervous system is just huge it's
1: massive And actually on those bigger days, if you've ever had this in your own workout on a day when you've got a lot of things in there, like maybe you go to a new circuit class or a new Zumba class or something and you've got tons and tons of new exercises even if it wasn't like really hard overload on every muscle do you feel smashed at the end because Technical neurally term, smashed, smashed <laughs> um because neurally your body's a little bit screwed over
0: so your central nervous Overloaded. system is has has reached the demand or been stressed completely
1: yeah. right
0: and i think that comes back to um understanding what specific adaptation mm. or demand do you want to place on the body yeah. to in the nervous system to bring about a muscular um, change so what is the client's current status right now in week zero week one and where do we want to be in say eight weeks time from a muscular perspective but understanding that it's the nervous system that's going to be integral to this happening so what stimulus must i have in the gym or in the training environment in order to bring about a muscular change is that more muscle mass is that less muscle mass is it um muscular strength endurance is it just strength is it a power What muscle fibers do I want to target? So now we're getting into the nitty gritty of understanding why and how important that is in order to bring about a change.
1: Yes. And especially with how many muscles are being worked. So you might say, well, if my client only wants power in their legs to do a basketball jump, why would I then do power in their arms as well? Well, because everything's connected, like Neil was saying, and, and more and more muscles are being used in one movement. Well, it'd be than interference wouldn 't
0: You you can't just say, well, I'm going to put power in the client's legs and endurance in the arms.
1: Yeah, it doesn't it, work. It doesn't work. It's like, all linked <laughs> up. They can't do different things. Which
0: is why you know you'd have a mesocycle or a training phase or a training goal that would be across, say, I don't know, a, a four eight week. It all comes down to individuality, but but a period of time where you, a chunk of time where you just focus on one particular physiological outcome, which is why it's key to keep sessions, um, very consistent in terms of frequency, frequency, intensity, time and type. but also in terms of what you're actually doing in that session. And I hear so often is I want new exercises for my clients. I need to chuck more variety in there. And actually the reality is that could be detracting from their goal because you want to keep the stimulus progressing but at the same note, not too quickly or a change of something too quickly be- gradual. because the demand won't be there for the body to adapt to.
1: Nice. Oh, Ooh.
0: I feel like I'm on it today. I'm on
1: it. Yeah. And what I also like about that is that the neural overload on the body and all the different nerve things that happen aren't just the muscles that are working, but also it's opposite. Because it has to tell a signal to the opposite muscle to relax at the same time.
0: Which is reciprocal inhibition.
1: Yes. Awesome word. You need to know that. You do need to know. Level level three
0: reciprocal inhibition. What is reciprocal inhibition?
1: Reciprocal inhibition is whereby in order for one muscle, well, basically to start off with, all muscles work in pairs. All skeletal muscles are in pairs.
0: Example of that, bicep, tricep, quads, hamstrings,
1: glutes hip flexors yes so they work in pairs so when one shortens and contracts the other one has to relax in order to allow that movement around the joint so if you think about doing a bicep curl when you curl your arm up your bicep is getting look at those guns by the way Ah. there we go and the bicep (laughs) is getting shorter and contracted so concentrically contracted the tricep on the other side has to get longer but in order to do that it just relaxes it can't contract as well because that's like interfering with itself. It needs to relax to allow the bicep to take over and do its thing.
0: And the beauty of this is, is that helps create balance in a joint yeah, or a muscular tonality within the joint, the tension of a length of a muscle around a joint, which helps um, the skeletal system avoid discomfort and pain. Uh, which is why I'm a big, big fan of supersets. So at level three, we understand. You see how we're linking this together? It's not just about, oh, I need to know it for my exam. It actually goes far beyond that because reciprocal inhibition effectively is a superset. I'm Mm. doing a bicep curl. And in the same motion of that contraction, my tricep relaxes. And then straight away with no rest, I go back to the opposite side. I do a tricep exercise whilst my bicep relaxes. Awesome. But the beauty of this system, and I know we're deviating off slightly, just slightly, is that I'm now working both sides of that muscle group or that muscle pairing, yeah. which means the tension and length across the elbow yes. um, remain equal. Yeah. Whereas so many people in the gym just work their mirror muscles, the muscles <laughs> that they can see. So if I just work my bicep, my bicep would become ever tighter because muscles are either tight or weak and they work in pairs in synergy with each other, yep. which means my elbow will end up with some kind of niggle or discomfort eventually. Whereas understanding reciprocal inhibition and understanding muscles in terms of their tight and weak tension and length nature yes. understands the, 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 the pull across that joint and whether or not that joint will experience discomfort. Yes. Oh,
1: Ooh, wrapped up beautifully. All wrapped up. And what I liked also is you explained already, without you know it or not, you um the, the muscle has to pull. Um so as that muscle crosses over the joint, because that's got to happen, the muscle has to cross the joint in order to create a movement. Agreed. Yes, agreed. Um, <laughs> from one bone. Although, to what
0: movement do they make in the ear? I can't make my ears twitch.
1: No, but it's right inside. The inner <laughs> ear has to move around. The eardrum has to move. Fair enough. Um, so the skeletal muscles, anyway, have to move across. Um, so and they pull. So muscles can't push.
0: Muscles can't push. They can only pull. So, so they
1: shorten and they pull one bone towards the other bone.
0: So when pushing. A door open is a quick, really. So muscles can only pull. But when pushing a door open, for instance, your muscles are actually pulling your elbow and shoulder against the door. I love it. Okay. So muscles can only pull. In fact,
1: let's do that now. Anybody listening, just go and like try pushing into something, into the wall and thing and just think about those muscles moving. It's actually
0: your elbow and shoulder Um, pulling against the door.
1: Just shows how we change language over time, doesn't it?
0: Yes. There we Uh, go. Nice.
1: Yep. Awesome. I like it. Um, So
0: the big question, I think this is probably what learners are and people are holding on for is,
1: hold on.
0: Origins and insertions. (laughs) Do you know what? I really... Should we
1: sit here and just go through all of them now? Now,
0: you do need to... (laughs) At level two, you don't need to know origins and insertions. At level three, you do. Now, typical muscles that are going to come up, okay, uh now we've been doing we've been teaching now for over a decade yeah over a decade and i've seen hundreds of different exam papers and various um uh paper ones paper twos paper threes from ymca active iq vtct all of them i've seen them all loads typical ones i see come up time and time again adductors hamstrings quads lats rotator cuffs rotator cuffs rotator cuffs did i say rotator cuffs is it for me to suggest that rotator cuffs does come up did I say yes, that a lot? You did, um, and quads. Oh,
1: you said glu- you even said quads twice. <laughs> oh, I said good. quads. So I'll chuck glutes in there as well, then. Cool.
0: Yeah. Now, I've also seen a lot of exam papers come up whereby there's not many questions on it. So, muscle. If you think your average exam paper, depending on the awarding body, has forty questions, and there's eight uh modules
1: eight modules eight, eight modules, sections, eight eight yep. sections. so
0: 40 divided by 8 is about 5 about 5 Ooh, oh five. she's quick enough <laughs> <an ask> today <laughs>
1: no i just know that okay <laughs> so you can
0: expect five on average five questions around the muscular system now you could end up with more i've seen some papers with as much as eight or nine or ten questions around muscles
1: especially because two of the modules are muscle related one's about muscle structure and then one's about origin so you could end up with
0: you know five six all the way up to maybe 10 or 12 yeah now i want to highlight one key point You could actually take a good gamble on this and just drop all the overwhelm, all the anxiety, all that stress, all that annoyance, all that tension around, I got to learn muscles, I got to learn muscles. And you spending all this time over muscles, maybe even delaying your exam. You could just go straight and book your exam right now and know that muscles isn't your number one topic, your forte like pub quiz topic and go, okay, it's out of 40. I'm going to kind of somewhat gamble on, you know, five or six of them being for muscles. Well, you only need 28 to pass. So
1: you could go and get... So just be really good on the other all, areas. All the other
0: areas if you're confident there and just relax around muscle and take that, take that pressure off. Because even if you got every muscle one question wrong, you still got probably plenty still to pass. pass. Yeah. But the reality is you're probably going to not get them wrong. The very fact that you understand or you have this...
1: So at least a basic understanding of muscles, like just and, knowing where they are yeah, can and, help. And
0: do you know what I've also seen is so many learners over the last, I'm going to say, 18 months, two years, certainly inside like the revision boot camp, they have this really kind of like deep down desire to understand all 50 muscles and then are panicking that they still don't know enough. Yeah. Yet they ace it. They yeah. ace it every it's usually time. Usually those that
1: are most anxious about it. That so well, really if well. you're
0: there going like, I really want to understand it. i you know, really dedicated to, to learn more. I've got this kind of really strict routine. I'm fastidious over it. I really want to know it. I'm kind of put my money on you. You've all. done the work, you've done the work and you're under, you know, it already.
1: Having said that, when you are learning them, yeah, um, it is good to learn all the muscles because you're going to need to know that later anyway, yes. Um, and we find that those learners that do know the muscles, especially from a foundation at level two, when they do learn the muscles, it makes everything else so much easier, yeah. And I do have one tip to really help you with. Learning the muscles um, and just the origins and insertions, just to take the pressure off and keep it simple. One tip. Yeah. Hoji.
0: Hoji. Now. Isn't. This is an acronym that is, is on our uh, muscle memory flashcards.
1: Yes. Okay? Yeah. So
0: you know, if you are struggling, I'm just going to have a shameless plug because the muscle memory flashcards are like, are like fifteen quid. Okay, you get yep. them immediately you see you you get a login and you get them via email so you get a login to our academy and you've got all of the flashcards that you need to know around the origins and insertions you've got a nice i'm going to say pretty picture on there but it makes it super super clear it tells you what action, easy to visualize what easy to visualize it tells you what action is brought about what muscles are actually working what exercises are um brought about by that muscle And you don't have to kind of sieve through your manual or clunky online learning and kind of figure this shit out on your own because we've done the heavy lifting for you.
1: Yes, exactly. You don't have to go around trying to work out whether the muscle image that you found is correct because it's all in one place. But
0: hoji is key.
1: Yes, so hoji is just for the peripheral muscles. It doesn't work for the core.
0: Notice, note, it doesn't work for the core.
1: And this is basically saying that, so hoji stands for heart, origin, joint insertion so it means that the origin is the one closest to the heart so you go heart then you've got your origin of your bicep for example and the origin part the origin is the attachment of your muscle that is closest to the heart then it will cross a joint at least one joint it might cross two or three even um usually two or one and then it comes to an insertion point and that's where it's furthest, the attachment point is furthest from the heart. And that works for peripheral muscles only.
0: So another way so it's awesome. of, I don't want, to add, it so like don't I don't want to add confusion to this, but another way of saying that is proximal and distal. And distal. So that's another kind of uh, key terminology you might need to know for the exam because yeah. they might not just talk about origin and insertions, but they might add some other words in the possible answers around proximal being the top or closest to the heart or to the center and and distal being furthest away away. so yeah it's just understanding that but but hoji heart origin joint joint insertion insertion. so if you think right i'm really confused about a particular question around the quads you now know know where the quad is you know where the quad is you now know that the origin has to be closest to the heart so you know it's around the Hip it's got lower to be lumbar above-ish spot. the it's hip, hip isn't it, and therefore you know where the quad is. You know that it crosses the hip and the knee, and therefore the origin, sorry, mm. the insertion has to be below, below the, knee. the knee. And, and you can now, work it out now you can start to work it out. Whereas for core, it doesn't work as simple core, as that. A
1: little bit more upside down. A
0: little bit more upside down. Yeah. So for but peripheral for muscles only. Cool. Um,
1: and that's a lot of people find it really hard to learn them because they're trying to learn so many muscles. And all of the individual origin insertion with the complicated names and words. But you know what? How my, do I
0: pronounce this word? How do I pronounce how do I
1: know that? it's the upper lateral edge of the tibia? Do you I mean it do, and essentially it doesn't matter in that kind of detail. You need to know what bone it's on you need to know roughly where it is in your body so use a visual or being able to touch that area and that's can where really the flashcards
0: come in i think the main muscle group is quite challenging i'll be honest is the rotator cuffs because we're talking about the, we're talking about the scapula as well and there's lots of um parts of the scapula that have various names
1: mm, and,
0: yes. and now you're adding more kind of latin names new pronunciation new words new language to this already kind of complicated topic. And really all I need to know about is that there are four rotator cups.
1: Yeah, and know what ones they and are. And know what
0: ones they are and kind of what they do. And just under- just know that your learning doesn't stop. Just because you've passed your exam, actually you you might become the specialist of, Particular types of movement or particular sports. So I don't know. Let's take a uh, racket sports for example. You're going to want to know what each one of those rotator cuffs does, man. Yeah. You, you, yeah. There's a lot of sports and the muscles
1: of the arm. You yeah. Know, I'm. Totally.
0: I'm. You know, we're big into surfing and, and bodyboarding, so my arms are doing an awful lot. I need to know how to train my rotator cuffs and look after them and look after them if I want to keep going. So there's a there's a real need to understand where they are, what they do, and how I train them. And keep balance within those muscles so they don't get tight or weak yeah uh, and piss off a particular joint but at the same point don't get bogged down by the the lateral distal spine of x y and z yeah another
1: thing that people find really tricky about the muscles is you if you try and learn all 50 for level three and all 26 for level two if you try and learn them in one sitting that's pretty tricky. Beep, beep,
0: beep. Yeah, completely. Like, um, overload. Like, yeah, My brain hurts overload. thinking about it. Yeah,
1: exactly. So, so split them up.
0: Yeah, like you could group them. This is what we say is, you know, inside the muscle memory sprint, we divide them into, um, into torso, front and back. Then we have legs and then we have core. Tor- yeah. yeah. And arms. And yeah. arms. So you could, you could split these up. So you could go and find all of the muscles in the arm and spend a week or it depends on how long you've got. If you've got eight weeks till your exam... You know, you could divide the body into core, uh, legs, arms, and peripheral. Yeah. Yeah, would that work?
1: Yeah, so and go then, core, chest, yeah, back, that. legs, arms. So you could like spend
0: that. a week or 10 days on each part and just say, right, all of the muscles of the arm, for the next 10 days, 10 minutes a day, I'm just going to learn the muscles of the arm.
1: And just pick one muscle a day.
0: And just pick one muscle a day. And and I think that's where so many learners, I'm going to say slip up, because they don't have a clear revision plan or schedule or structure to say mm. this is what I'm doing when I'm going to do it and even though I've got a busy life and a hectic schedule, I'm going to make it a must because those days soon tick away and if your exam is in eight weeks, the exam date doesn't change but your time frame of, of learning does uh. and that's when overwhelm and anxiety and stress kicks in two weeks before the exam and you're still needing to learn all 50. Yeah. And it's easy for us to say, start now.
1: Start now. <laughs> start
0: now. Um, and we appreciate that that's tough. And
1: I hope the revision power hour helps with that as well, because it gives mm. uh, a window where you can go, yes, I'm doing it now and I'm focused. Yeah. But structuring not only what you do in that window of time, but over time, over time what yeah. you do. And that, like you say, is time sensitive.
0: Well, just like we say to, you know, level three, It doesn't matter what course you're on at level three, we're always talking about logical progression. Mm. So this is what we're saying here is if I've got eight weeks to learn all these muscles, I must have logical progression. What do I do in the first week that gives me an understanding to move on to the week two and week two to week three. So, you know, for me, I'm quite a logical creature. (laughs) You You know, I would turn around and go, right, in week one, I'm going to learn some key terminology.
1: Oh, like, and even of the bones. And uh,
0: yeah, some, some key terminology of the bones, proximal, distal, lateral, yeah, uh, inferior, whatever. Superior. Is, superior. And understand, and then, and then I can start to go, right, well, that's the rule of the law of the body. So whether I'm talking about the quads, it's the same as my humerus. or nice. The same as my radius is the same as my tibia. Yeah. And then I'd move on to week two and I'd go, right, I'm just going to do all of the arm. Then week three, I'd do all of the leg. And then week four. So slowly I start to build up this picture and us you will start to see trends. And you will be well, I've learned that about the arm. And it's kind of the same about the leg. Because at the end of the day, my bicep is the same as my bicep in my hamstring. Oh, you know, at the end and therefore if muscles work in pairs, my tricep must be similar to my quad. Maybe. Don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, I'm making this sound a little bit more simple.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I like that you've said, um as part of structure, understanding some of the basics first can really, really help. um But I, I suppose, really, none of the the big problem why people don't necessarily set out a structure or start their revision early is because they don't necessarily see a purpose for learning the muscles uh, for Outside anything of the other exam. exam. Yeah, exactly. And so I and why, want, why do we need well, to I wanna,
0: know it? I, I'm. You probably guessed. I'm pretty passionate about this. <laughs> 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 is actually. It's nothing to do with your exam. That is a form of assessment, just like the coursework, your LAP, just like your practical assessment. And yeah, I appreciate that actually we are probably more addicted to training. Therefore, yeah. we have this, poor lot, this natural pull to a studio or the gym or training ourselves because we, maybe we've had a, a transformation ourselves but actually underpinning this transformation that you've had or this pull into the actual physical aspect was a physiological and anatomical adaptation over time. Yeah. So if you're here, if you're listening to this and you've had your own journey where you've lost a, a ton of weight or you've changed your body shape or you've increased your confidence, whatever, whatever you built, built muscle, it doesn't matter what at some point over a period of time, you've gone from a to B and ultimately what you've changed is your anatomical your your anatomy and your physiology yeah you've had a physiological change and that's why it's important because if we don't understand the what brought about that anatomical change in our muscle what brought about that physiological change in our muscle what stimulus was it in my training that brought about that change in my muscle.
1: It's the single shift. If you can think I thought you were going
0: single shift.
1: then. <laughs> it's the single shift that you can make in your thinking to go from just seeing it as just exercises or just um, the outcome that your client yeah. wants, but now to actually see the scientific physiological changes every time they train and overall you will now understand at a whole nother level
0: consider for one second but it's nothing to do with the exercise
1: Ooh. and
0: yet the exercise is the first thing that i hear I, i've spoken to three four five six learners today yeah either over phone or on on messenger. email messenger that type of thing and they've all been focused on What exercise do I do? Did I get my exercise? Was the exercise okay? And actually, that's the last thing to go into the plan because if I understand the goal, I understand where my client starts, their current status, and where they want to get to, I can now think about, well, what physiological and anatomical adaptation needs to take place? What demand needs to take place right now or this week in this micro cycle? And if I complete that frequency, intensity, time, and type in this micro cycle, then that gives me the prerequisite to move into week two and week. Two allows me to move to week three and week four. And now I've got a mesocycle goal, which allows me to move into mesocycle two of weeks five, six, seven, and eight, and so forth. So if I understand what I need to change uh, anatomically Anatomically and physiologically, now I can start to think about, well, how am I going to, what type of stress do I need from an energy system, a muscular system, a skeletal system, a joint system? And then I can think, okay, what training systems are going to bring about that stress mm. and then I can think about what variables of sets reps tempo time range of movement yeah. rate and on session variables are going to bring about that demand or that stress to change it and then I can go cool I'll do a squat then yeah <laughs> I'm targeting my legs the, the but the not do a
1: squat just because someone told you to
0: yeah nice. whereas It's not just about turning up to the gym and putting the client through a workout. We see a scientific-backed, very strategical approach to planning.
1: And saying, this is why I'm doing it. But what I love about that is because you know it in such depth, your passion comes through.
0: And that, I think, is the key. The passion. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was talking to... uh,
1: Being real passionate about all of that anatomy and that physiology. Yes, it sounds a little bit geeky, but because it gives you the result that you your clients want
0: and actually i was talking to bob hope who's been Woo! a uh, he's an author of a couple of books he's on a the podcast in a couple of weeks i recorded it today um he spent you know 24 years as a pti in the navy and then from the the mid 80s onwards he's been in the fitness industry as an active uh, tutor assessor and with end users clients so kind of his his knowledge his experience is kind of top trumps probably most people in the in the industry today that i know of with 50 plus years of industry experience yeah um, here's one thing when i said what's what makes an outstanding coach was passion yeah because if you're passionate you show up with this level of um enthusiasm tonality to your voice this kind of hunger to want to know why does it do that i want to know the answers and (laughs) i think if you're passionate about the end result How do I get a result for my client? My client's here in week one. They want to be there in week eight. How do I do it?
1: How do I get that result? How do I teach the body to move? How do I get that result? Because at the end
0: of the day, we're teachers. Not yeah. not as in well, yeah. Hey, you're not our teachers. Obviously, we teach on our courses, but you're a teacher as well. You're becoming a coach, and a coach is somebody that teaches somebody something that they don't know. So your clients or your future clients are coming to you because they are stuck with a problem they're stuck in a particular level of pain maybe it's even physical pain um, but they're stuck with a problem they don't know how to lose weight they've tried a dozen times before and it's never worked they're trying to get uh, their beach body they've tried before they're stuck and you're 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 going to teach teach them them how to get unstuck teach them how to move teach them how to move teach them how to uh, value posture teach them about nutrition teach them about um, exercise variables, teach them about set, reps, tempo time, teach them about muscles. Teach and if them. you're
1: passionate about all of this stuff, then you'll be able to pass on your knowledge as well.
0: Completely. And that's
1: why you've got to learn it. And it's not just because it's a tick box and, or because it's a multiple choice exam or anything else like that. It's because you want to know it because you're passionate about it and you want to pass it on.
0: Boom. So with learning, I think like, I feel like we've got some like big momentum now. I'm really keen to just jump straight into today's revision power yep. hour. Um, so in the next five minutes, I'm going to go through the, uh, what the power hour is, what you've got to do. I'm going to get you laser light focused on um,
1: this one, session, this you're one to...
0: session you're about to do. So you can join me for half the revision power hour, which is, which is five minutes prep or a couple of minutes prep, 25 minutes work, and then a little review session and you can crack on with your day or you can join me for the full power hour which is again a little bit of prep 25 minutes evaluate and then we repeat it again but it just keeps you laser light focused. so with no further ado see you on the flip side and next week's revision session see you later see you later Revision power hour. Good morning Neil here from Parallel Coaching and over the next 60 minutes I'm going to guide you through two structured revision sessions. Now you may join me for the first half and do one session or do the full power hour which is two revision sessions. Because if you're like most people that uh, are sitting their fitness exams, their exam is in six to eight weeks, maybe 12 plus weeks time. And so there's no urgency created to ever start revising right now today. We put it off, we put it off and we put it off until just a week or two before the exam when suddenly it becomes urgent and very important before we start revising. That leads to overwhelm, confusion, frustration... And we look back and we wish, in hindsight, that we'd started sooner. So the idea of this Power Hour is to create some urgency today, create some urgency inside a 30 minute for session one or uh, 60 minutes for the full two sessions, so that you start revising today and not leave it to the last minute. Which means you drop all of the confusion, drop all of the overwhelm, drop all of the frustration around your studies And go at your uh, studies by little by little a little becomes a lot. So you walk into your exam fully confident, fully prepared and knowing not guessing when it comes to the questions. Now it doesn't matter if you're on a level 2, level 3 or level 4 qualification on a fitness exam, you could use this for your learner achievement pack, your coursework, your worksheets. What we're going to go through is a series of questions of planning for five minutes followed by a 20-minute doing session where you're actually going to set at doing your revision, uh, and that creates the urgency because you're going to test yourself, and you've got seven minutes at the end to review what you've done, do a couple of short tests, which you're going to set, and I'm going to show you how, and then you're going to have a five-minute break. So that is a full 30-minute session one, and you can repeat that twice for the full power hour. Now, to hold you accountable, I appreciate this is a video, but I want you to tag me in, okay, inside the student zone or below this uh, video tag me in and let me know what it is that you're planning to do what you're going to set out to then once you've done it let me know uh, that you've completed either just session one the full 30 minutes or the full power hour uh, for 60 minutes two structured revision sessions you know and I'd love to hold you accountable and and find out because I can ask you more questions and test you uh, to hold that urgency so that you come back time and time again uh, a couple of times a week to repeat the power hour, which means you walk into your exam in four, six, eight or 12 weeks' time, however long it is away, to uh, score top marks and walk out knowing and not guessing, which means you can go on and work with clients in the future and provide them a five-star stellar service. So I'm going to flip my screen around. I'm going to take you through the plan, do and review, where you're going to spend five minutes uh, planning, 20 minutes doing and then seven minutes reviewing and relaxing. So I'm going to spin my screen around and I'll see you in 30 minutes time. See you later. So let's start with your plan. Set a timer on your phone for three minutes and we're going to answer four key questions. Question number one, what specific topic will you revise in the next 20 minutes? For example, if you're on your level three anatomy and physiology, you might choose module one, the heart and circulatory system. Next, question two, what are the three to five buzzing questions you have about this topic? Grab a notepad and pen and write down your three to five questions now. Moving on to question three, what mode of learning will you use? Is this going to be your manual? Are you going to use YouTube or the Revision Mastery Bootcamp? Are you going to jump inside the cheat sheets or are you going to go back to previous notes? Question four, how will you test yourself in 20 minutes time to ensure you've learned what you set out to? Is this going to be a series of mock questions? Are you going to write down three to five uh, key points? Just know that it's key to test your knowledge on a regular basis. Next, you're going to set a timer for doing the revision for 20 minutes. So set a timer on your phone for 20 minutes and set towards answering the four questions from your planning. Once your 20 minutes is up, you've now got seven minutes to review and have a break. And we're going to answer three questions here. Number one is write down three to five keynotes that you've learned. Try not to overthink this. Literally write down in short bullet note form to avoid pages and pages of notes. What are the three to five keynotes that you've learned from your four questions you set out to? Next, you're gonna test your knowledge in two minutes and check your understanding. This could be one or two mock questions. It could literally be a review of your notes and pick out key points to test whether or not you've learned it, yes or no. Again, try not to overthink this. Finally, you're gonna set a timer on your phone for five minutes. Now you can head over, grab a cup of tea, cup of coffee, a bite to eat, use the bathroom or head over to Facebook and veg out for a few minutes, whatever you want to do to relax your brain before you return back and complete another 30 minutes for today's Power Hour.
1: Hi, I'm Neil Bergman. And I'm Hayley Bergman. Over the last 10 years, we've helped thousands of fitness professionals to get qualified, learn with simplicity and coach clients with confidence.
0: We're the first to say that learning and being a fit pro doesn't have to be hard work and that with the right structure, support and resources, you can become a confident and knowledgeable fitness professional that is dedicated to more. So
1: how do you learn, qualify and kickstart as a fit pro? This is the Fit Pro Sessions podcast with Parallel Coaching.